Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're joined by Max, a founder of Finimize, the most engaged finance community out there. We're going to find out more about its mission, its objectives, how it grew to over 1 million subscribers. So welcome, Max. How are you today? Thanks for having me. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Great. So can you tell us how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, I've always uh, been an entrepreneur. I've previously started an e-commerce business, actually based out of Switzerland. It was one of the largest e-commerce businesses in in Zurich, which where I know you're located. And then we sold it to one of the largest media houses. And then I started Finimize out of a very personal experience. And have building Finimize now for the been building Finimize now for the last couple of years, and continue to roll out new products, new services for our audience, and build, as you said, one of the largest finance communities in the world. So you started five years ago. So what was the Finimize's mission back then, and if it has changed uh, since then, and you pivoted? And can you tell us how did that evolve? Yeah. So we started at the end of 2016. So it's a little bit more than. Four years now in total, getting on the five, correct? And it really happened out of a very simple problem that I experienced. So I had built up some savings by just putting money aside every month. And I wasn't really sure what to do with those savings. I knew that leaving them on a bank account wasn't the right thing. But when I spoke with financial advisors, I immediately realized that this is a sales pitch for their products. And when I tried to inform and educate myself, as much as I could, I found really difficult to wrap my head around. And that was the starting point for me. And then I basically started to dive in a bit deeper and, and, and really just design a product that I would want. And for me, it all started, how do you understand what's happening in the financial markets every single day? And so that was the starting point. And I started really with a product that for me was the most simple way of approaching it, which was understanding every single day what's happening in the financial markets and doing so in a way that is modern, i.e. it takes just a few minutes, it's really digestible, jargon-free. That gave life to the Finimize newsletter, uh, which today is uh, still our marquee product. Within three minutes, we explain what's happening in the finance world and why should you care most importantly. And then we very organically started to build up a community. People wanted to meet us, we wanted to meet them, and that then took on its own dynamic, and I'm happy to dive into that if you're interested, how that all started. But it really started with a very simple product, just helping people understand what's happening in the finance world. And then from there, we started trying to understand the customers and understand their needs and started to develop further propositions, further products to help them. All right. So just maybe one little follow up on this. So what's the target education level of your users or subscribers? Are those people who don't have a finance or business degree or still think that there are gaps in business education? How does that work? The way we describe basically our our core customer is as the casual investor. So this is someone who has 
a real interest in actively managing their investments, but they only have 15 minutes a day to think about investing or finance. And we have built a proposition for these for this kind of an investor. They tend to be sort of late 20s, 30s, uh, into their 40s. Uh, a lot of them actually work in finance. We have anybody from students all the way to hedge fund billionaires who read our content. So it really manages to address a very large demographic, really because there's a lot of substance um, that's packaged in a very simple to digest manner. But I would say our core target audience is this casual investor. All right, understood. So by now you have 1 million subscribers. So amazing. Congratulations again. And you're the most engaged community in terms of uh, finance, financial communities and things like this. So that's an amazing milestone. But let's dial the clock back and look how you started. How did you get going from zero? So like I said, we started with a very simple product, a daily newsletter, which actually was never intended to be a newsletter. It, uh, what happened was I had built a, a website in WordPress myself, and I had uh, connected with a few people who would write the content. And so I put all the content onto the website, and the content has in the, the template for this content has stayed the same since day one. So it's always been, what's going on here? What does it mean, and why should I care? And so I put it on the website, and I realized the classic problem when you start a new product is, Nobody was actually going to the website. Nobody was reading our content. And so what I started to do is I started to email everybody. Hey, check out this new product that I'm working on. And I noticed that a lot of people are opening the emails. And so ultimately what I did is I took all the content from the website and put it on to, uh, into the email. And then we started the, the newsletter that way. And then we started to grow it through, we did a lot of manual outreach to our networks. Then we got featured in certain blogs. Then we got featured on Product Hunt. Then we had a very active campus program. We would go to all these campuses around the world and try to manually sign up people. We had a referral program next. And then the final sort of iteration for us in terms of growth channels was partnerships where we basically cross-promoted other newsletters and they would prom promote us. And that's how we got um, to a couple hundred thousand users. And then more recently, we also started doing some paid acquisition, although we, did, we primarily do paid acquisition on our paid product, which is our mobile apps, which is a subscription product. So you are a digital first online community to begin with. So whether there was a pandemic or not, either way, how can we generalize, maybe talk about maybe talk to people who try to build their communities anything that you reflect on that you wish you knew when you started and you didn't and if you were generous enough to give them some advice and save them some time in growing their communities yeah i think for us basically the community happened very naturally so i can really only talk about how to grow a community if you've planted the seeds i think it's really difficult to create a community out of just to sort of the, to design it, there, ha there has to be some seeds sown first. And I think for us, what happened was we treated our early adopters as VIPs. So we would shout out to them in the newsletter to, we would like do, we would have our designer paint some of our users and then show the painting in, in, in the newsletter and tell people stories and really try to put them onto a pedestal. We would ask people for their addresses so that we could send them gifts and merchandise, et cetera. And so I think we, from the start, we really tried to treat our early adopters as VIPs. And then one day we decided, can, can we meet some of our users? Like, who are these people reading our content? And 
I think what what really surprised us was we were supposed to meet up in a pub in in East London actually, and we expected maybe like four or five people to show up, but it ended up being like fifty people who showed up to the pub, and the entire pub was taken over by Finimize users, and that showed us that there was really something special there, and we did this more and more and. Every time we did it, more people showed up. The next time it was like 80, then like 100, then 200, then 300. And people then started to reach out to us and say, hey, this looks really cool. What you guys are doing. Can you do this in New York? Can you do this in LA? Can you do this in Sydney? Can you do this in Bucharest? All over the world. And originally, we said that this is, a, this is impossible for us to do. And we can't fly around the world and, and just host meetups. But we then developed a playbook where we allowed our community members to become hosts themselves. And they would then host these meetups literally all over the world. And today, we're the largest financial gathering in the world. Last year, we connected 30,000 people at our meetups. This year, we are very much on track to connecting at least 60,000 people. It's all driven by, by our community hosts. And it all started by just really treating them as VIPs. And then the second lesson, I think, since you asked me about the, the lessons, now that I've given some context, is people. why do people really engage with our community? So why do these people host meetups? They don't get paid for it. They don't get any kind of incentive for it. They completely do this on a voluntary basis. And the reason why they do this is because they fundamentally believe in the mission that we've set for ourselves and the product that we're building. And so I think if you want to get other people to buy into what you're doing, you have to have a really clear mission. All right. So I think great point that you raised here is the clarity of your mission. And of course, the early adopters were actually your ambassadors, right? And this is how and how you treat them as VIPs and they became your ambassadors and help you to actually share the load of growing and scaling up was amazing in a natural way. So this is great. Now you mentioned some numbers, big events and things like this. And of course, the people who do professional events, they've been heavily impacted by the pandemic and they turned them into a virtual format or sometimes a hybrid format and back to virtual and back and forth. So mm -hmm. how have you been impacted by the pandemic? Yeah, so just to give you some, some background. So in 2019, we connected 10,000 people. And in 2020, we connected 30,000 people. And for us, if anything, going virtual has been an accelerating factor, as you can see by the numbers. And so what happened was all of our meetups used to be offline. And we probably will continue to do offline meetings once everything opens up again, because there's a real magic that happens at these offline meetups uh, where a lot of trust gets built. And Ah, yeah, perfect. So, so that's how we started. And and then obviously, like one day, people stopped going to the office, people weren't able to leave their houses anymore. So we couldn't do meetups. And so we went completely virtual. And what's what is meant for us is, I guess, a couple of things. Number one, we used to be very regional focused. So we would have meetups in Zurich, we would have meetups in Bucharest, uh, we would have meetups in Sydney, all over the place. And now with, with Zoom, we don't have that restriction anymore. Just because a host is uh, located in a certain city doesn't mean that the attendees have to be from that city. Uh, and so now if you're based out of Auckland, you can host meetups where people from all over the world attend. Obviously, you have some time zone constraints, but roughly speaking, it opens it up. And so I think the shift that we've seen internally is like we don't need to organize anymore by, by regions, but rather by topics. And so that's actually quite a liberating um, experience. And like I said, I think for us, if anything, we've seen more people attend. We actually did a virtual personal finance conference in December of last year. 
And we had, I think, something like 6,000 people attend via Zoom. And it was, I think, the largest personal finance event of the year. So if anything, virtual has been a real liberating factor. And how did that work for you? Did you see any major difference in terms of participation or experience? And of course, uh, some people just discover Zoom and then they wasn't great for larger gatherings and they got better or the other apps came, came into play. So businesses achieved some great, some businesses like this great, achieved a great valuation in the short time, like a hop in all kinds of other platforms. But Obviously, even among young people, the preference is still for in-person events. But if you cannot do it, then can you do it well somehow? Or what's your take on it following the last 12 months? I guess it's been quite a challenging experience. I think it really depends on what's top of mind. So we have evergreen content, which is very educational. So how to set up portfolios, structures and strategies, like the foundation. I think that's very global. I think that that really is uh, that's global. We don't really see any big differences in terms of regional sort of uh, preferences. I think where we do see a lot of like, I guess, gap in the market is more on the day to day things. I think finance is one of those spaces where there's just a lot of noise. And, you know, part of the value proposition for us is curation. So we have these analysts who work for us. And what they do is they try and cut through the noise and and curate these are the key insights that you need to have and i'll give you a specific example when this whole wall street bets thing happened we launched a, a content series wall street bets finimized and we help people understand what's actually going on here there's a lot of junk that's being discussed and then there's like also actually some really interesting things that are being discussed so let's try and cut out the junk and just focus on 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 the substance and and so i think that's really where we see a lot of demand and a lot of literacy improvements that can happen i think really helping people understand the macro understand how things are connected and understand how can you basically cut out the bs and how can you cut through the noise and i think that's really where a lot of people see most of the value in what we so, deliver to them. I, I see. So now when you're curating content or preparing it and you have in, in your mind uh, your core clients and do you exist? Uh, do you, uh, New. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you're curating content or preparing the content then you have in your mind your core client or a casual investor, etc. A lot of the people work in finance but maybe in different departments. Do you require or do you assume any pre-existing knowledge or how do you deal with the fact that you have uh, users or subscribers from different parts of the world. And how do you deal with this? Because that's also what I heard from, say, moderators of live events, and they say presenting or moderating live, they could see a real life ex- a reaction of the people, whereas on the Zoom, they don't know what's going on, what, what's all, how does the audience react to it, they do it blindly. But it worked very well for you. And uh, so, if, as you, so you were digital first anyway, but how do you manage the fact that you obviously need to mention needs and levels of different different levels of your clients or subscribers understood understood so in the beginning we also said that the most engaged trainers coming to the attend the world yeah so so just on the digital point like i, t- I totally agree like when you go to a, an offline physical meetup you can gauge the room way more than just looking at a screen <laughs> but you can do interesting things also global uh, digitally where you can start off by doing polls and just getting a feel for who's in the virtual room. But to your point, I think it all comes down to having 
a crystal clear understanding of your core customer. And you will always have people who aren't your core customer, but you're not building for those people. Those people are an added extra, like a nice extra that you were managed, that you managed to attract them, but you're not building the product for these people. And in our instance, we're building the product for, like I said, for the casual investor and the casual investor is not a beginner and is not a pro. So you don't need to explain to them when oftentimes when people think of financial education, they think, okay, I need to explain to you what is a stock. That's not, they know what a stock is. We don't need to explain that. But at the same time, if you then start, I don't know, comparing the EPS value of one stock to another, that might be a bit too advanced there. You might have to explain a little bit more. And so really, I think where we see our audience is very much in the middle. And it's this mass market retail investor who, like I said, have experience, but don't have enough experience to understand everything. And that's really where we come We said that you're the most engaged community out there. So how does that work? Obviously, also considering the live events uh, that have quite a different level of commitment sometimes versus the uh, online events, how do you define and measure engagement in terms of likes or emails or comments or, or what is it? Yeah, for us, it's we really care about people getting involved in the community and the fact that we were able to connect more people than anybody else in this finance world was all down to our community. We have ourselves, we have a very small community team, just like two people. Uh, And if you think about it, like two people would not be able to organize 30,000 people or now 60,000 people coming together. That typically, if you think about a conference, they have giant teams who, who work for that. And so how are we able to do that? It's because we have a very engaged community, which means people volunteer to host meetups people recruit other people to to host meetups i'll give you one example we have a a wonderful host um, out of india he actually recruited other hosts and they then before covid hit they went on a roadshow all on their own initiative they went on a roadshow in india to three or four different cities and hosted meetups and and that's it's crazy if you think about it And, and that's the kind of engagement that we have that nobody else has in the market All right. I've seen it live. I said, congratulations. Obviously, some of the countries are emerging from the pandemic. Some countries are a little bit behind, let's be honest. So in your sort of situation, when you're operating around the world, what's in store for you this year, if you have any visibility? Yeah, like I said, on the the community side, we're basically, we want to get to 60,000 people being connected. And then on the mobile side, on the product side, We have some really interesting things that we're working on currently. We have identified that a lot of the value that people get from us is spotting interesting investing trends and opportunities. And then what they do is they want to research them a little bit more. And so we feel like that's a really intriguing opportunity for us to to explore and are currently exploring ways how we can support our users a little bit more downstream if you think about the whole investment journey. Fingers crossed. And now as we're coming up to to wrap up, I have two easy questions uh, left, really. I typically ask, do you have any favorite book or documentary or business-related movie that you would like to share with the listeners? Anything that inspired you? It doesn't have to be something recent. I, I probably wouldn't have like one specific one, but I can tell you, like I actually have a couple that I've now that we're on, in lockdown. I've, I've had a, had more time to read. Number one, I, I've read, I, I typically read like 
autobiographies of, of business people. So I just finished the autobiography of Michael Bloomberg, which was really interesting to hear about how he built the Bloomberg company at like age 39. People always think that entrepreneurs are in their 20s or something, but he started his journey when he was 39. So that was really interesting. I read the, the biography of the founder of creative artist agency, CAA, one of the biggest, most well-known talent agencies out of Hollywood. That was really interesting. And now currently reading a book from Andy Grove, who was an executive at Intel, and he wrote this very famous, iconic, almost business book. Uh, I believe it's called like High Output or High Performance Management, I believe it's called. So those would be a couple of uh, books that I've have been reading that I found really useful. And uh, so that, thanks for reminding me. Of course, a lot of people are using your app, and that's probably the easiest way to get the content from Finimize. But what's the best way to reach out if they want to learn more, if they'd like to partner up with you or host events, virtual or otherwise? What's the best way to reach out? Yeah, you can find me personally on Twitter. My, my, either type in my name, Max Rafaga, or my handle is Whole Earth Web, Whole Earth Web. And you can also follow Finimize on social media. And then you can download our apps, both in the Android and Apple app stores. And if you're interested in hosting a meetup or any other kind of partnership or even working with us, you can reach me at max at finimize.com. And then uh, we can take it from there. And good luck to you and Finimize. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.